It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. AM I can roll till the midnight hour tonight. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, and of course back in the studio, Mr. Ryan. Tommy, the things you find out about your producer off air. How about that, man? I'm telling you, I'm writing the book one day. I'm I'm just gonna do it. I'm writing the book. It's gonna be what do we talk about off the air? <laughs> I will not name names, but I will I will write that book. <laughs> really, there's so I mean, it would be, you'd have to put out an, like an encyclopedia. It'd have to be volume after volume. So, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Most of the stuff was always, wait, wait, wait what? Repeat that again? <laughs> hold, wait, whoa, 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 hold on. Oh, we can't go back to the show. Hold on. Make make sure the, the live button's not on when, when you say that, right? <laughs> yes. Well, we got a look, it's Sunday night. We got a big show, of course. Week nine of the NFL, it just the last game just finished up a little bit over an hour ago. We have uh, plenty to talk about with that. Last night we did the baseball and the college football. So tonight, Tom, I think we're going to start because in about 11 hours from now, literally, there will be a basketball game tipping off on the college side. Baylor is in action, the number five team in the country. And then it looks like I didn't count them again because I got – I just started getting uh, tired. Looks like close to 100 games tomorrow to open the basketball season, concluding. So we have a Baylor game at 9 a.m. Pacific, and the last tip-off will be at 9 p.m. tomorrow night, Tulsa and Oregon State. 12 hours of basketball, over 100 games. Unbelievable. Well, there's a lot more than 12 hours, Tim. I mean, you think about it, if it starts at, uh, at you know, in, in 11 hours, if it starts and there's 12 hours spaced out, you're going another two, three hours after it. 14 15 hours of basketball tomorrow uh i was going to be in atlantic city i wound up having a, a just absolutely fantastic day again at TomBartonSports.com. i'm i am rolling and it's ridiculous right now how good i'm doing so i didn't wind up going because i'm just uh reveling in my ridiculously winning ways at TomBartonSports.com. and um uh, you know i'm looking at tomorrow slate of games i said to abby i said you know i have my office downstairs i got my couch and so i said to abby I'm not going to be in, in, in Atlantic City. I, I don't know if you're going to see me much tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, kind of going to run away for most of that because I like – not only do I see a lot of games, I like a lot of games tomorrow, Tim. I'm playing a lot of these games. I'm already on top of uh, three or four, and I'm going, yeah, I, I don't want to get out in front of this thing too early because usually early in the season, you know, there's trap games. But I just – I'm loving this season. I like – um I like the season. I just gave out on my website. All of my futures plays are out there for everybody. So it's uh, it's it's pretty jam-packed for me as well. Can we coax Tom Barton giving us a free future play here later tonight? Yeah, listen, I always do it. I have now given a free future play for 12 years on the air. If you can believe this, ladies and gentlemen, right? And, and you got to think about it. I don't give out 
six, seven, eight national champions. I, I don't do that. Usually what I do almost every year for every sport is I kind of give who's going to be in the championship game or, you know, so I give two teams um, or I give you one and a long shot. That's every year. So we've been doing this now. This is going to be, uh, you know, year 12 of doing this. So I've given out 11. I have hit Villanova twice before the year at more than 20. It was 24 to one odds and 28 to one odds. Hit them twice. I hit Virginia before the year. I hit UConn before the year. You know, I have five wins straight up in, in at this time, five wins straight up in October for future plays where I'm only giving one or two winners. The year I gave UConn, I only gave one winner. That wasn't a long shot. That was my one winner. The year I gave Virginia, I gave only one winner. That was my long shot. That, that wasn't a long shot. It was only 10 to one odds, but it was a winner. So I'm not even giving two winners every year. This year, I have two for you, Tim. Stay tuned for that, everybody. So let's just look at this. Before we start talking about certain schools and uh, conferences, usually we kind of creep into the basketball season. There's opening night games throughout the week, and then it explodes into the weekend with Friday night, the big card, Saturday, the big card, and then you move into your holiday tournaments. We're, we're loaded up tomorrow. How do you look at – you said you have games you like. And I know if you go over to Tommy's YouTube page, Tom Barton Sports, where you're breaking down the conferences again this year, you've done the homework. But still, Tom, there's 100 games, man. So I can just see you with this board, and you're crossing off ones you don't like, and then you, you're stuck with like 20, and then you, you drop them down from there. I mean, how, do you, how do you prepare for this? <laughs> he, you, you know pretty much my system. It, it's actually kind of funny. I, what, what I, what I like to do, I'll tell you exactly how I like to prepare for this. Um, what I do is I, I first do the eye test. I read all hundred um, without any spreads or whatnot. I read all hundred games and I go, okay, I'm going to write these down that I think will be, uh, you know, pretty alluring to me. Um, remember there's totals as well. So if I think, oh, you know what, I, I, I think I kind of like Gonzaga against North Florida. Um, I'm hoping that it's not more than 20. Well, it comes out at 28 and a half. Okay, now you start to, so once I write them all down at where I hope that they, they get to, and it's not 100, I usually get to probably about 50. Then I start looking at the bad lines. Ah, you know what, I like to, I'm just giving you a hypothetical here. I like Gonzaga minus 20, but it's 28 and a half. Mm, okay, got to cross that off. And then you start whittling down. Then you start whittling down. Then what I do is right after that, I kind of just go to the conferences that I know. I go to the teams that I know. I go to the situations that I am very, very well aware of. And those are my mainstays. Those are the the, the mid-majors that nobody knows about. My Ivy Leagues, my American East conferences, right? Um, do, does anybody out there, you, you look at Vermont tomorrow, minus 11 against the Brown Bears. Is there anybody in the country more well-equipped to get that game right. I've made more money on Vermont and the Ivy Leagues than anybody in the country over the last decade. So I'll give you a little piece of advice. I'm not playing the game. You know why? Because the main guy for the, the main star that's going to be for Vermont this year actually will not play in this game. He's not going to play for about a week or so because he's coming back from an injury. A lot of people aren't going to know that, right? So th there's, there's conferences, there are teams that you just kind of gravitate towards. That's why I do so well in college hoops. Because it is those smaller teams. 
Everyone tomorrow is going to go jump on Baylor in the morning. Everyone's going to jump on Gonzaga eventually. Everyone's going to jump on your Kentuckys, your North Carolinas of the world. You know, they're going to jump on them, of course. But it's the lower level level teams. It's the underground teams. It's this fact that the San Francisco Dons lost three of their top five scorers and their head coach. Did anybody know that? Probably not, right? You have those kind of situations going on. And early in the season, it is tough for the general public, but early in the season for a season handicapper, we love this time of year because everybody just goes on what happened last season. They don't know who's leaving. They don't know how many minutes are leaving. They don't know how many points are leaving. They don't know the impact of those points. That's where we can take advantage. So you narrowed this 100-game card, uh, card down. Where would you say that you fell narrowed it down to five, six games, less than that? I'm at four right now, and I'm waiting because it might only be three. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm waiting for a line that I feel I, I feel like it's not a, a true line. It hasn't really come out across the board, so I, it might be three. It's going to be probably three, but I might be able to squeeze this fourth one in there. Well, let's talk about some of the "Quote unquote preseason favorites." If you you know Tommy and I, rankings really don't mean anything at the beginning of the season. So in your AP top twenty-five, Tom, right in the top five, you have your defending champion Kansas at five. North Carolina team they've beaten in the final is number one. The year before, Baylor beat Gonzaga. Baylor's five. Gonzaga's two. Then you have Houston number three. Kentucky number four. Your thoughts on? those big powerhouses right there. Listen, it's hard to argue any of them. Um, I will say this in all sports. My mantra is it's nearly impossible to repeat, right? Kansas is up against it because it's very, very difficult to repeat that Kansas team had magic. And let's be honest, they probably shouldn't even won that championship game. But when I say repeat, I don't only mean repeat there. I mean, repeat even getting back to the final four is tough. So I look at a team like North Carolina that loses Brady Manick, and they are stacked. Listen, North Carolina is absolutely stacked. There's not a lot that I could argue about any against any of these teams, I should say, except the idea that going back-to-back for Bill Self and Hubert Davis is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to get back to that championship game. Go ask Gonzaga how tough that is, right? Um, you look at a team like Baylor. I like Baylor, right? Baylor's 12-1 to 1 odds. I, I'm looking at Baylor, and I'm going, they were going to be my team, Tim. They were going to be my team. I like the fact that they go through the gauntlet, as I call it, in the Big 12, who I think is the deepest conference this year. I enjoy that. I love their head coach. I like that. But again, you know, how much success can you have? Can they go back and win two of three? Are they that program? Are, are, you know, are, are, are the questions there for that? That's what I look at early in the season. It's a good building block, but we're talking about – 300-something colleges, 64 entries into the March Madness. It's very rare to see repeat champions. It's very rare to see people get back-to-back in the Final Four. And it's really rare to even see what Baylor's asking to do, which has been two championships in three years. So I think they all belong in the top five, but I could make nitpicking cases against each one of them. Against Haga, right? Two appearances in the finals in the last six years, two losses. Solid program, Tom. It's just they they can't win the big game. They can't win the big game. And unfortunately, they're a program that is well-coached. They have great players. But they just 
at the end of the year, they, they just simply don't get tested, right? I mean, look, I can tell you how Gonzaga's year is going to unfold. That doesn't mean that they can't win the championship, but I can tell you how it's going to unfold. They're going to have a heap of praise put on them. They'll stack their out-of-conference early season schedule with real competitors. They'll be flying high. And then they really just take on St. Mary's twice, and that's it. And they get you know a, no tune-up. Then they get into the, the, the tournament, and you go, okay, well, here's where they're going to be tested. Well, they're a one or a two seed against a 15 or 16. Not going to get tested there. And then they're usually playing, what, an eight or a nine seed. Not really going to get tested there. They don't ever really get tested, Tim, for months. I mean, early in the season, you can tell me the, the out-of-conference schedule, sure. But once they get into conference schedule, it's St. Mary's. It's like eight or nine seed until about the Sweet 16. And sometimes we obviously have some upsets. That doesn't happen until the Elite Eight. That's why I've said for years on this, on this, when the ACC was a gauntlet and now the Big 12 is a gauntlet, I like teams that are seasoned. I like teams like I like Syracuse a couple of years ago, barely squeaking into the tournament. Yeah, but they come in from the ACC, right? And you get to, to go back to back. and You get to look at that and you go, oh, man, wow. Oh, this is going to be a tough gauntlet of a schedule. But if you make it through, you know what it's like to go back to back every night, go competitive and get that in. Look at Gonzaga's schedule, Tim. They get Michigan State, okay, who's going to probably have a down year. Then you go at Texas, Kentucky, Baylor. Oh, man, gauntlet schedule. Even Alabama's tough. And then here we go. You know, uh, we got Montana, Eastern Oregon, Pepperdine, San Francisco, Santa Clara, Portland, BYU, Loyola Marymount, Pacific, Portland, Santa Clara. I mean, you go through that. They end off with Chicago State on March 1st. So from December 20th, to March 1st, they get St. Mary's twice as their only threat. I'm not sure St. Mary's is going to be a top 25 team. It reminds me a lot of growing up here in Las Vegas and watching the Rebels play, Tom, when they were in the Pacific Coast Athletic Association. And in the Big West, they had a – look, they were a top 25 team, top 20 team, top 10 team, played the the big dogs early in the season. I remember uh, Thomas and Maxson, I remember – Shaq O'Neal coming with LSU, Tom, you know, number one team in the country. I remember them beating Michigan on the road. But then you enter conference play. And don't get me – it's almost this map because you'd head into the into the tournament as a high seed, one, a two, a three, and you move your way through. And then Sweet 16 time comes, you get beaten by a, a team that was just – uh, like you said, more battle tested, and for the Rebels, it happened a lot in the sweet in the Elite Eight, and of course, we remember the Final Four. So um, that's the Gonzaga. I think that's when we look at Gonzaga. I, I really look at a comparison to UNLV back in the late eighties. Hey, it's a good comparison, and it happens in any, every sport, Tim. Right? I mean, how do you compare now? Now it's a little bit different with the DH, but how were you able to compare a starting pitcher that pitched in the American league East against a starting pitcher that pitched in the NL West, right? I mean, you've got huge stadiums, you, you know, you're, you're not going up against the DH or the American league East, you're going up against tiny stadiums. I mean, it, it, it happens everywhere. This is not a slight to Gonzaga, but I can tell you exactly why. And then, like I said, it's not like they're entering the tournament and, and all of a sudden getting, Oh man, there's going to be a threat right away. No, they enter the tournament and they play two, maybe three games against lesser seeds. That's why they've been knocked off when they've been knocked off. Their first real tests are coming in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. Uh, sometimes their first real test is in the Final Four. And once they get tested and they get pushed, it's the same kind of situation. 
Can Gonzaga win this thing? Sure. Should they be the favorites to get, to get there? Yeah, from a betting standpoint, they should because they have the best chance to get back. Do they have the best player in the country? Yeah, maybe they do. Do, do they have the best coach in the country? Maybe they do. Do I think they're winning the championship this year? No, I don't. About Houston, 32 wins last year, Tom. <clears throat> they get in the tournament, bounce in the Elite Eight. I think it was a good season for Kelvin Sampson and the Cougars. A lot, a lot of coming back, but a lot of pressure now, and they're not going to sneak up on teams. With, you know, Houston's not the Cinderella this year. No, Houston's a, a good, solid team. A lot of people are putting them in the Final Four, again, because of the, the, the schedule that they're going to be going up against. You know, they have a road trip to Oregon. They face uh, Osmos in, in, in Oral Roberts, which is kind of cool. Uh, they do take on Alabama. They go on the road to Virginia. So they try to pack it again. Do I have to go over my same rant, though? You know, Tulane's, Temples, UCF's, Cincinnati, Wichita, Tulsa, SMU, East Carolina, Memphis on a down year, South Florida. That's who they're facing. So here we go again. You know, I think they're going to get a lot of the Gonzaga treatment, at least for me. I, I don't mind mid-majors, okay? I really don't. But if you're going to be a one or a two seed, I think it's very difficult to move on because you really won't get your first test. And the minute that Houston gets punched in the mouth, how are they going to respond? We don't know. And guess what? They don't know. Because, you know, it's not like they have to go back-to-back. After after that tough – oh, man. They got to take on Tony Bennett in Virginia. After that tough game, yeah, they get McNeese State. Oh, wait a minute. They got to take on Alabama. That's going to be a tough one. Oh, they got North Carolina A&T the game after that. Oh, they got a tough game against Oregon. Yeah, at home against Kent State after that. You know, the, the schedule just lines up where you don't have two tough games in a row at all. And don't tell me this conference is a tough conference. Duke, Villanova, two legendary coaches retire, Tommy and Krzyzewski and Jay Wright. How about these teams? Duke ranks seventh to open the season. I think they'll both be okay. I think they'll both be fine because um, who is taking over has been associated with the school. It's not a brand new face in the building, right? Um, you think about it. If you turned on Heatwave Sports and, and God forbid, Tim quit, right? But it was it, you heard mine and Chris Wynn's voice for the first two weeks. You'd go, oh, okay. No, that, that's okay. Eventually, it would come back to burn us because there's no Tim. But for two weeks, we could kind of keep it going. Well, I feel like that's the way that it's going to be for – uh, you know, Duke and Villanova for this year. They'll be okay. They're not going to fall off the map. They'll be top 25 teams. They'll get their wins. Uh, but I, I just don't think that you can replace legends and assume everything is going to be the same. Uh, I, I know Hubert Davis did it last year. I think that was a very different situation. And I think the legend of Coach K and all that that brought was a different situation. Now, Duke is loaded athletically, sure. And Villanova shouldn't fall off all that much athletically. But they do lose team leaders. Not only is Jay Wright gone, kind of Gillespie's gone as well. That might hurt them more than really Jay Wright for this season. Give us a couple more teams, Tom, you're looking at. Maybe not so much under the radar, but a mid-range team that you think can do some damage here. I think you got to look at Bruce Pearl and what he's doing, right? I mean, Bruce Pearl has the energy. He's got that team uh, – the, the the team playing well, people in that conference, everybody's really excited. The problem is it, it's the SEC, which is a just a dominant, dominant conference this year. Uh, that's a team that I'm looking at. I think people are overlooking Michigan. Michigan is bringing back their big man in the middle who was not supposed to come back, and he's coming back. I think that's a huge boost. 
I think the Big Ten is having a bad year this year. This is the first time I could remember that they don't have a top 10 team. The Big Ten is really wide open. I'm not a believer in Indiana doing anything big. Well, Jawan Howard, I think, is a good coach. I, I think that they have a lot of the same things working there in Michigan. And you bring back the big man, they're getting a little overlooked only because they could go out there and win the Big Ten and really nobody's going to blink an eye. Um, you, you go up and down the ledger and you try to think of you know some teams maybe flying under the radar. And I question one of the teams, are they flying under the radar? And that's the Creighton Blue Jays. When the season ended last year, I told you, man, I'm going to be all in on Creighton next year. As the year went on and I found out they're returning four of their five starters, I said, man, Creighton's my team. I'm riding Creighton all the way. All of a sudden, they are shooting up the ranks. They're getting a lot of money. They seem to be everyone's favorite team now to be the underdog. So, you know, I'm not going to overrate them because everybody's kind of done that for me. I'll just say that I was out in front of this thing to begin with, and I do think if you're looking for an underrated team, they could be it. And this is not a New York bias, Tim. It's going to sound like one, but it's not. But I think St. John's has some good things working. St. John's is in a conference that is, you know, look, it's not going to be, they're not going to be winning the conference, but it has shown over the course of the last couple of years that you put together experience on the court. We've watched it with Seton Hall. We've watched it with UConn. They can make some some noise in the tournament. I don't think St. John's is winning this Big East, and I don't think St. John's is, you know, going to the Final Four or anything. But can St. John's make some noise? Can St. John's not only get into the tournament, but win a game or two? Yeah, I think they certainly can. So those are a couple of teams to keep an eye on. Tommy, I know you mentioned the SEC with Arkansas a lot. I like the coach in Musselman. You know that. I thought he should be – I still think he should be pacing the sidelines here in Vegas. But you know, Man, his defense is fantastic, Tim. Yeah, but they still push the ball too, and I like that. You know, they're going to open the season in the top ten. What about what about the West Coast schools? UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, all the Pac-12 ranked in the top twenty, and even San Diego State, Tommy, out of the Mountain West, they creep into the top twenty as well. Uh, San Diego State is is going to get into that top twenty-five. They're going to be that fun team that everybody kind of picks. Uh, San Diego State's going to be a team that that you know some guy puts his claim and trying to get some fame by saying, "Oh, they're going to the Final Four. Let's be honest, San Diego State should win the conference handedly. San Diego State should be a top 25 team, but San Diego State isn't really a, a you know a team to push it. I look at the Pac-12, Tim, and I'm down on the Pac-12 this year, but I was down on them last year. Last year, I told everybody UCLA is very overrated. I think I was right there, but I completely overlooked Arizona. Every year, I think that Dana Altman can bring Oregon to a Final Four just because he's Dana Altman, but overall... When I started making my numbers and I started going, okay, who's going to be my Final Four? There wasn't a thought that a Pac-12 team was going to be there. Elite Eight. There wasn't a thought that a Pac-12 team was going to be there. All right, Sweet 16. Tim, I didn't have any Pac-12 teams even making the Sweet 16, so I think it's going to be a down year. I was wrong last year because I overlooked Arizona, so maybe I'll be wrong again and somebody will jump up to the top of the pack. Speak of him, and he appears. Chris Wynn chimes in. Tommy, you mean UNLV isn't going to the Sweet 16? Of course, it's he's being very sarcastic when he says that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, UNLV is is going to be better, right? I mean, I said it about the football team, right? They'll be better. They're not winning this conference, and I don't think they go to the tournament. But I don't think they miss by much. I mean, they'll be better, right? Is that is that okay? Is that fine to yeah. say, Tim? Every year, 
I go out here and I, for three years in a row, I predicted the football team and the basketball team within one game of their record. And for three years in a row, I did it. And I was told, I don't know anything about the basketball program. I was within one game of the record three years in a row. So yeah, I think I got a good read on them. They're not going to win this conference. I don't think anybody really thinks they will get win the conference. I don't think they get into the conference championship game. And I don't think they make the big tournament. That doesn't mean they can't have a solid year. 18 and 14 last year were the Rebs, 10 and 8 in the conference. They did close the year, though, Tom. They lost two or three, got pushed into a, a quote unquote, the home game, right? Because they played on their home field, on home court, but they were bounced by Wyoming in the first round. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I don't know if it's because football is still going on, but usually you get a lot of hype here in town about what's coming up. Tell you the truth, I haven't really heard too much about the Rebel basketball team this offseason, and I think that's a good thing, Tom. Yeah, I think so, too. It's always expectations, right? Managing those expectations. If people aren't going crazy about them, this could be the year they overperform, right? I mm-hmm. mean, this could be that year. Here to gander at this schedule and and see what's in store for the Rebs. Very, very weak non-conference slate this year, Tommy. Well, I, look, I, I think that <laughs> I think there's a benefit for teams to sit back and, and and pack a schedule right out of conference. I think that there is a benefit. Like I, we just talked about, quite a few teams. I don't think UNLV is that team. I don't think UNLV should be packing their schedule. They need confidence. This is a program that needs wins under their belt, and they need confidence. So here we go. Let, let's let's give a prediction, okay? Let's give a, a number. Uh, Southern Incarnate Word, both at home, they're 2-0. They will get absolutely humiliated and spanked by Dayton. Uh, Dayton's one of the best teams in the country. I should have mentioned them. They're returning four of their five starters. They're actually returning five guys that could play on the court that are all starters from last year. Dayton's a team that I expect to flirt with the top 10 this year. They will be, be humiliated by Dayton. So two and one. High point, they're three and one. Southern Illinois, I'll give it to them. Four and one. The really tough life Pacific game, five and one. Okay. So I got them starting off hot and heavy here. At San Diego, yeah, that's six and one. Hawaii's always tough, seven and one. Washington State. Washington State's a decent team, but there's going to be a. I'm going to give it to them. I'm going to give it to them. What is that? Eight wins? Mm-hmm. San Francisco, the Dons are down. I just mentioned that. They lost their coach. They lost three of their top five starters. It's at home. That's nine wins, Tim. Southern Miss could be 10 wins. I'm giving them 10. 10 wins entering conference play, Tim. And here we go. San Jose State's 11. They'll lose to San Diego State, both both tilts. They'll lose on the road to, to most of these teams. New Mexico, I'll give, them a, I'll give them a 12. Boise, Colorado State. Utah State, Fresno State. Those next four, I'm going to say they go three and one. So what do we got? 15, right? Wyoming's going to be better than people think. Nevada's going to be worse. 16 wins. Colorado State, Fresno State, Wyoming. 17 wins. They'll lose at Wyoming, lose at San Diego State. San Jose State's 18 wins. Boise State on the road, no. Air Force is 19 wins. Tim, I got them at 19. You you could talk me into 20 wins. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I would have to do a little bit more in-depth to really give you a full number. But just off the top of my head, I'm looking at them saying, look, I I try to give a, a range usually, right? You can talk me into 20 wins. 
I think they're probably safer at about 17, 18. Um, I just came up with 19. My official number will be 18 wins, Tim. And they got they got a just you know I want to say 19. I my 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 you know what my gut reaction was 19. Tim, I'm saying 19. I'm saying 19 wins for the Rebels. I I could see as low as 16 if things go off the rails here. I could see 16 win season, um, and I can see 20. Where are you with this team? Yeah, uh, my my pre research. Of course, there's some returning starters. Uh, there's some transfers coming in, some some guys left as well. So the, the chemistry thing is going to be there. We already know. I like Kevin Kruger a lot. But an 18 win year, 18 wins last year in what I thought was a tougher schedule than this year. So already you're looking at 20 is definitely possible. I think 20 is, especially if this team can can gel early and play well in a lot of the non-conference tilts that you're, you've given them Ws on. I would say... I'm going to say 20. I'm going to say 20. We'll go 10 and 8 again in the in conference, maybe 11 and 7. Maybe a first round win in the tor- in the conference tournament, but but that's it, you know, and, and there's no ter- there's no NCAA tournament. Maybe maybe Tom a uh, a secondary tournament, but that's where I got them, but I could also see on the low end if they struggle here games early two teams like Southern Illinois, Washington State, Southern Miss, they lose games like that. They're going to struggle in Mountain West on the road like they did last year. It's just the way it is. So I could see 17 on a low, and I'll go 17 to 20 like you, but I'll give him 20 to be be nice about everything. And and I think I think it's a good season, but is it really two game difference, two game, two more wins with an easier schedule, and maybe another round in the conference tournament? Is that is that a positive momentum that you want to see? Here's what where it can be. If the games that we have them losing, they're they're competitive. Right? If you play San Diego State twice and you get blown up by by you know 10, 15 points in each game, then no. You know, um, I think that I think against Dayton they're going to lose by 20, 25 points. Right? I, I think teams like Utah State, Fresno State, Wyoming on the road. Right? You can't you can't go out there and get embarrassed. I think it's how you get to the eighteen wins or whatnot. You know, uh, I know you're going with officially 20. You're, you're more optimistic than me. Swin chimes in and said, I was way, he's way too optimistic, Tommy, right? Uh, Chris Wynn citing that he doesn't know where the offense is going to come from. Um, got, Bryce is gone. Stretch Williams is gone. You, you know, look, I struggle. I, I did it quick. And I, I, I looked at this last week. Last week, I was closer to 17. Tonight, I was at 19. I, I'm in that that zone. You're a little bit more optimistic than me. My thing is just really is just the schedule. I mean, even without offense, they're not they're not losing to Southern Incarnate Word. They're not losing to High Point. They're not losing to Life Pacific. Right. You know, they're not losing. To, you know, five of these games are, are they're just not close to losing. And I don't think they lose to San Diego, Hawaii, and Southern Illinois. So I mean that's that's eight wins in your pocket, and I'm not talking about San Francisco. Who I think is down, having a down year. I'm not talking about Southern Miss. I mean to me they roll out of bed with eight to ten wins. So you go into conference schedule. Can can you get eight wins there? I I, I think you can. So you know I think two things can be simultaneously true. I think me and you both could be too optimistic, 
And I think that they could struggle with offense. I just look at the schedule and I go, it, it's just such a joke of a schedule. It, it's a laughable schedule where if they lose any more than one, if they lose going into conference play, okay, they have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. They have 11 games going into conference play. Dayton's a loss, okay? If they lose more than three games, Tim, right? If they are are seven and four, it's going to be a brutal year. They got to be eight and three. They got to be nine and two. They win 10 games non-conference. They can go on. They can go basically 500 in conference and get to 19. That's what I think they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. That's where I got the 19 from. Yeah. And it's, uh, that was, that was basically my handicap was that a lot there, there's a lot of, Chris is right. They're going to have to find a way to, to generate points. But McCabe is a solid returnee at, at the guard, and, and he knows Kruger's offense, so that's going to help them early with the newcomers. And the thing is, um, basic, basically, yeah, that's it. The schedule is it's, it's not tough. So you said it. If they lose three games out of conference, there's going to be problems this year. So this is, we'll have to just keep an eye on that. Tim, uh, yeah, I'm going to ask not, not only just Chris Wynn, but anybody else that's out there. It's at HW Sports on Twitter, at Tom Barton Sports. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter as well, um, 876-1340. Find me before conference play starts on December 28th at San Jose State. Okay, we have those 11 games. Find me four losses. Tell me who the four lo- – I'm giving you a date, right? So find me three losses outside of date. I, I, and listen, if you want to make an argument, I'm listening. I just don't see them losing that many games. And like you said, all you're asking them to do then is go 500. If your argument here, and let, let me preface this by saying, if your argument is that UNLV is incapable of going 500 in, in conference, okay, save the phone call. Uh, you know, I, I get it. <laughs> that yeah, yeah, okay, you just think they stink. And, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm not even arguing that. But I think it, I think what we're talking about is this front-loaded schedule where they're all at home. I mean, you know, or, or a neutral site. They only have one road game. And, I mean, it's teams that they will be – I can tell you from a, a sports betting expert standpoint, they will be favored in nine of these games. Maybe maybe ten. In that Washington State game, I don't know if they'll be favored. But they'll be favored in nine of these games. Does that equal wins? Not all the time. I can't find four losses. I, I, I'm having a hard time finding three. Yeah. If there's four losses going into conference play, just you'd be the like, you're lucky. Low. Yeah. You're looking at 15 wins. Let's put it that way. So. Right. Exactly. That's why I said I could see low in 16, but I, the more I look, the more I see this, this schedule, the more I go, I just, I just can't, I I'll give you Washington state. You want to give me a Washington state loss. You want to give me a Dayton loss. That's fine. I, you got to find two more. You know, San Fran would have been that's that's normally a loss. They lost a ton. They lost a ton. Uh, watch watch how they play tomorrow, by the way, against Texas Southern. Getting Texas Southern's getting 16 and a half points, just letting you know. Uh watch how they play tomorrow. But San Francisco's not the same team. They lost their their longtime coach there. They lost a ton of players. Not the same team. Southern incarnate word, high point. Is life Pacific scaring you? I mean, these are just layup games. Well, the Rex and Park game for UNLV starts tomorrow at home. Thomas and Max Center against Southern. Let's just not have a uh, UNLV football blunder here on opening night, right, Tom? 
I'm surprised that the line isn't uh, 20 or more on this game. It's actually a reasonable number. Well, like like we said, uh, if if that's reasonable, we're looking at what fifty points tomorrow. Uh, look, they're, they're minus twelve. Minus twelve, Tim, against Southern. Sixty-two fifty. There you go, Tom. Running Rebels, sixty-two points. All right. Okay. How about the over under? Just one thirty-five. Like that under. I really don't know what to expect. That's that's the problem. I just it's it's crazy to me, right? And and like I said, there's not a lot of. I know Chris Wynn will back me up on this. There's not a lot of, of of chatter about Rebel basketball right now, and it can't be because the football team's doing so well. We just broke that down for everybody last night. So I don't know what it is. Man, if they it's only a twelve points spread. If they come out and they lose tomorrow, can can we have a show on Monday night? <laughs> Can we do it? We, we might have to do a just, podcast and uh, post it. You know, it, what's funny is that people are on Southern too. I, I mean, they they just are. Um, they, they, say what you want about it. Twelve and a half. People are probably listening to this going to go run to the casino. I'm telling you that sports handicappers that I know are on Southern plus the twelve and a half. I hmm. it, I looked at the under Tim. You know, one thirty five. Is just a small. I was hoping this was good. my number that I had this at when you asked me earlier, right? To bring this whole segment full circle. When you asked me earlier, what do I do? I said I like the UNLV Southern under, but I had it at one forty two. I was hoping it would come in at one forty two. And you're going to get it at one thirty five. It came in at one thirty five. If it came in one forty two, I it's a play. At one thirty nine, one thirty eight, probably a play. One thirty five. I think it's a little too low for my blood. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, you know, 70-65 gets it done. Is that too much to ask? No. You know, I, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, It's under or nothing for me, and it's southern or nothing for me. Should be an interesting season here in Las Vegas for the Rebs. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports. We're going to time out number one. And we have NFL Week 9 ready to go when we come back. And lean look at Week 10 as well. Heatwave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Do you know who that was? The basketball player. He was LeBron James. He's kind of like the basketball player. Oh, yeah. I think I saw one of his soda commercials. Do you follow sports? Oh, my God. Sports? I love them. Who are your favorite teams? The uh, I like smaller teams, like the not the big leagues. I like the like um, Long Island mediums. The, the acorn pine cones. I haven't heard The of Fire Island penguins. I like the Cincinnati Thunder Wizards. You can stop. The Orlando Blooms. You can stop. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tom Barton and Tim Unglesby. Tommy, I'm so excited, man. I'm going to see Amy Schumer in two weeks, bro. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I just blew up on my computer. I, I can't wait. Oh. I'm going to... Oh. They won't let you bring your phones in there, or else I'd take a picture for you. So, you need a wide screen for her there too. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you've been to one of these shows. Uh, I don't know if they're. Are you an Amy Schumer show? You don't know if I've been to an Amy Schumer show? <laughs> I think you absolutely know the answer. To that. Let me rephrase. I don't okay. know. Think you've been. I don't know if you've been to one of these shows where they take your phone and they put it in this bag, and you can't no. access it. 
You no, to, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, they put it. They put it in a bag, and um, it's becoming more and more frequent. At first, it was certain artists they just didn't want their stuff being videoed, obviously, and put on the net. But I've seen, I'm seeing it happen more and more. They put it in this baggie, and you get to keep the bag with you, but you can't access it. You get, the keys are out. They have this thing out in the lobby where you have to take the key to open the bag. But if you want to use the phone, you actually have to walk out of the arena or the showroom or whatever go to this uh, area that they have where you can use your phone. But then when you come back in, you got to put it back in the bag and lock it. So that is actually, insane. It is, but you know what it's um, nowadays you go to a concert. I, I sent you a picture of the night when I went to see Candlebox. In, in the picture, you see the stage, but you also see like 30 people with their phones out. So you know, that's it's kind of the way it's been. life is. Wow. You look, you're watching a concert through your phone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like that. Uh, there's like that picture out, you know, everybody's got their phone and it's like this 90 year old grandmother has no phone, just watching it and just enjoying it. It's like, yeah, there you go. Just enjoy the moment sometimes. Mm -hmm. And then you think about it, like, don't get me wrong. I've taken pictures. I've taken video. How many times you actually rewatch that video though? You yeah. Know, right? I, it, just, well, the, the, the worst thing, the thing that I hate the most are the people that waste all that time and all that effort on fireworks. Like you're never going to rewatch fireworks <laughs> right. on your phone. And then, right. and then you post it to social media. Like I want to watch your random fireworks. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Oh, look, look at the fireworks. I've seen all fireworks. They all look exactly the same. It's not that entertaining. It really does say a lot about uh, today's society. Doesn't it really does, man. Yeah. It, it, it's the lost society. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's the lost generation. What is this generation? It's the lost generation. Yeah. My son came home today. Uh, he was at a birthday party, and it, it's a place called uh, Air Kingdom or something like that. I don't know. Uh, and, and they have all kinds of obstacle courses and, and zip lines and all this cool stuff. And he comes home, he walks in, he goes, Dad, it was so cool. I was like, ah, oh, man, I kind of saw like the commercials. Of this. Tell me about it. And he goes, they had VR there. I've never done VR. I was like, what? So we get past the VR, which is the coolest thing he's ever done. He goes, I was shooting guns. I was like, all right, that's kind of cool. Then he gets into, oh, by the way, I did zip lines. I did a, a, you know, a wall climb. I did a rope swing. I did, like, take the goggles off and just enjoy, man. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting... It's getting ahead of us real quickly, Tom. Let's put it that way. There are and, and, people out there yeah, that are literally spending money to buy virtual land. Yeah. Yeah. Virtual land. We, we had that back in the uh, 90s, right? Sim, Sim City, when that Sim World, whatever. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just a better version of it. Yeah, people like, well, yeah. You know, they spent. $20,000. But, but did you see the upgrade I made to my fence? Your <laughs> fence in your fake land? Like, what, what the hell is going on? I, this is where I start to show my age because no, just no. Hey, man, I got some uh, Dodge coin if you want it. So, oh, <laughs> there you go. All right, week nine NFL. You know, since we're up against the the hour. Let's let's go ahead and start with tomorrow night's game, Tom. Baltimore at New Orleans in the Superdome. 
Ravens are five and three. Saints are three and five. This is the football special. Baltimore minus one and a half, 46 and a half total. So here we go. Uh, Ravens, big win last week, Thursday night football at Tampa. They get the little extra rest. They get a bye next week, Tommy. Good chance here they can win and be six and three, sole possession of the AFC North. But there are a couple injury bugs here bothering the Ravens. Yeah, I don't know if I could take the Ravens here because I was loving this team. I was loving this team, but Rashad Bateman is out. I was loving this team, but Gus Edwards is out. I was loving this team, but Mark Andrews is out. I'm sorry, you lose three tremendously good uh, you know, offensive weapons on that team. It, it, it's, I mean, it's going to be a rough go of it there. I will say this. The Saints are known to be a good defensive team, but they're actually 14th in the league overall right now. The Ravens are 28th in the league. And what they, they really lack on, their big Achilles heel is pass-catching running backs. Well, here comes Alvin Kamara. But you can't go on the Saints, Tim. And, and I could sit back and tell you about the Saints' injury problems. Michael Thomas is now out for the year. You know, a guy like Brian Robinson gets shot. Michael Thomas, you know, he's got a toe injury. He's out for the year. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. But they're the eighth-best offense overall in the league. I mean, they're working it. Here's the problem why you just simply can't take the Saints. I don't care that they're home. I don't care if it's what's going on. I don't care if Lamar Jackson was out. You cannot take the Saints because Andy Dalton makes Kirk Cousins in prime time look like Tom Brady, okay? Andy Dalton is 0-6 his last six primetime Monday night games. He's got nine interceptions and eight touchdowns. In his career, he, he is a just a pitiful less than 20% winner and against the spread. He doesn't lose. He gets humiliated in primetime. We know what happens to Kirk Cousins. Well, Andy Dalton should be the poster boy for it. You said it off the air, so I'll paraphrase you. You said, you know, it's just going to be the Lamar Jackson game. Just just take it and just do everything himself. And that might be enough here against a defense that's a little overrated. If they shut down Alvin Kamara and make Andy Dalton under the bright lights try to beat him, I kind of like that. Plus, oh, by the way, there's one caveat to this. This is why I like the Ravens so much when I did earlier in the week because I thought some of these guys could be playing. Well, it's Harbaugh with rest, right? He's got 11 days since his last game. We all just watched Andy Reid off of a bye week. He's now 21-3 and three, uh, all time, and it's great. But Harbaugh's in the top five also. We've watched what Harbaugh does off of bye weeks. we watched what Harbaugh does coming back with extra rest. We've watched this time and time again. Now he's got extra rest. He's got 11 days. I thought that would heal them. It didn't heal them. To me, it's Baltimore or nothing. But I'm a little concerned about your Baltimore team because they are the walking wounded here. Yeah, it's it's. Look, if Andrews are in there, it changes my my uh, aspect of the game completely because you know he has that big safety cushion there for him. So keep an eye though, Tom, on Isaiah Likely. Had a big preseason, third round pick out of Coastal. Big preseason, makes the team. Struggled at the beginning of the football season. He struggled, but he's kind of come in here now in the last few weeks. He had a nice game last week with Andrews out. Keep an eye on him. I know uh, Bateman's out for the season, but he wasn't really doing much anyways, right? Devin DuVernay needs to step up tomorrow night. You have former Bear, Demarcus Robinson, who's, who's had some catches here in the last three games. So the weapons aren't as good, but they're available to him. Of course, in the backfield, look, Dobbins is there, and Justice Hill is going to get more reps now. So th there's, there's a two-headed monster again. But I think it is Lamar. I think this is the Lamar... When everybody said he's just a running back, let's just go out and be a running back tomorrow then, Tom, because 
if he breaks through that front line of New Orleans, they're not going to be able to stop him. That's the thing. If he can get through that first wave, he's going to be unstoppable tomorrow night. And oh, by the way, I know you talked about pass-catching running backs in Alvin Kamara. How good does it look adding Roquan Smith to, to Patrick Queen there up the middle? Oh, absolutely. So, so Tim, look, I got some prop plays for you. First of all, Isaiah likely to score a touchdown tomorrow. I already, I was already looking at it. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get like, you know, four to one, four and a half to one, plus four fifty, plus one seventy five. Tim, hmm. he's actually got lower odds than Duvernay. <laughs> okay, how about Lamar Jackson though? You you want him to run, right? Uh, let let let's talk about it. Rushing yards over under sixty and a half. Got to go over, right? I mean, it makes sense. How about the one that I like more? Rushing attempts over nine. Yeah. I Give mean, me the over. That, yeah, that that I like the over. As a matter of fact, you know how I am. I don't usually like to, to talk about um, parlays in any way, shape, or form. Okay. But with, with player prop parlays, I love to do stuff like this. Give me the over nine and a half and over 60 in a two-team parlay, right? In a two-game, you know, a, a two uh player parlay. I like that. Patrick Mahomes had six attempts for 60 yards, and I know he broke a little one. Lamar's not breaking a 20-yarder. Lamar's breaking 40-plus. Think about it that way. Attempts, rushing attempts this year. Started out slow with nine and six, then oh, six and then nine, 11, 11, 12, 7, 10, 9. Mm-hmm. Rushing yards, 17, bad game against the Jets. 119, 107, 73, 58, 77, 59, 43. Yeah. I like the 60 and I like over nine. How about that? I, I think you got I think you gotta love it, right? I mean, whew. And we you know the thing Does he get in the end zone, Tim? If it's the Lamar show, let's put him in the end zone as well. I think you have to, right? I think I look at it this way, you know, we'll get to this game probably have time to do it chiefs 20 titans 17 sunday night football chiefs win it in overtime they scored the last 11 uh, titans had this game and just fell apart them like literally at the end of the fourth quarter but patrick mahomes tom 400 yards passing they only scored 20 points i think tomorrow night the, the uh ravens don't have to put 40 on the board they can score 26 27 and still he can be productive enough to have all those props hit. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right there with you where you look at a team like this and you go, I don't know what team's coming out, right? But guess what? Neither do they. Harbaugh's had 11 days to concoct kind of a game plan here where we're confused trying to handicap the game while they're going to be confused trying to kind of figure this game out as well. How about Chiefs-Titans, man? Derrick Henry gets the 100. They have the lead. And right there at the end of the fourth quarter, they can't move the ball. They get – Chiefs get are able to tie this game. Titans, uh, Titans had a chance, Tom, right at the end. And I told you that there's no two-minute offense in Tennessee. Their, their game plan is what we saw the whole game. Bash, bash, run, big play, take the lead. They couldn't do it at the end, and it cost them this football game. Yeah, it did. And that's you you called it as we were watching it. Um, basically, they, they just don't have anything. And I said that to you. One of the things that drives me nuts about this team, Tim, it's not that they just don't even have a receiver. They don't have that 
surefire tight end. All right, that guy that you could go to. They don't have that pass-catching running back. All right, you know what? But bring him in. Derrick Henry is your best weapon. In the two-minute drill, he's on the sidelines, right? I mean, he's just not even in the game. Your best player on offense, by a huge margin, is not in the game. That's a problem for me. All right, how about next week? Tennessee off a tough loss, back home. Two-point favorites over the Broncos, who were on a bye this week. Oh, man. Look, I I like Tennessee. Um, I've been riding them three weeks in a row now. I have given them out as my best bet. Um, I I believe Podcast Network, by the way, I'm 7-0, my best bets. I've given them out two of the last three weeks. I've ridden this Tennessee team and ridden them and ridden them. I think that they have to win that game. I I mean, Denver's a mess. I just hate going up against teams after a bye week. I really do. It's something that I just can't stand. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care. But if there's a spot to just watch Derrick Henry absolutely feast, you know, it was tonight against Kansas City. Kansas City has been bad. I talked about this on my show this morning. I've been bad against the run. Denver's good against the run. And I worry if it's going to be another situation like we just saw where Denver, who can stop the run, will absolutely load the box. They will contain Henry to a point. And at the end of the game, Malik Wallace has got to go down the field or Ryan Tannehill if he comes back and win the game with the weapons or lack thereof that they have. I mean, the over-under here is 39, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we expect it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Tennessee has to be the play for me but I see a million reasons to take Denver. You know, luckily for Tennessee, <clears throat> they play in a division, Tom, where they pretty much have won it already. So, Yeah, they've won it. And what I've liked about this team is early in the season, I told you that Har- the Harold Landry loss was going to be pretty massive and people weren't talking about it. Um, and now all of a sudden, they're, they're starting to get their defense working. That they, as much as attention is going to be paid to Derrick Henry, let's not overlook the fact that their defense is actually playing really, really, really well. I understand why the number's 39. And I understand that Denver cannot run the ball. Let's just be honest. Denver cannot cannot run the ball at all. Russell Wilson looks lost out there. But they, don't, they might not have to. They can win this game 13-10. And that right there is the scary nature to take a game like this. Let's take the top of the hour timeout. We'll get back into the rest of week nine of the NFL, including your Las Vegas Raiders. Now two and six, they blow a 17-0 lead this afternoon in Jacksonville. Uh, Wow, a lot, a lot to talk about here in Vegas tomorrow regarding this Raider team. We'll look at that. We'll look at the downfall continuing of Aaron Rodgers and the GOAT back in action again today, Tom Brady. Talk about all that in hour two. It's Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. One more hour to go here on Heat Wave Sports. Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. At HW Sports, at Tom over on Twitter. And we... Our talking NFL football, just a quick reminder, we are off next Saturday night for Vegas Golden Night Hockey. So we'll be back one week from tonight for your Week 10 NFL recap on the Super Sunday Night edition of Heat Wave Sports. And before we do talk about the Raiders, Tommy, I told everybody we're going to give away 
a future play in college hoops. I didn't forget. I was just waiting for the right time. So let's start hour two off with another winner from Tom Barton Sports. Uh, I'll walk you through my thought process here. I will give you the winner in a moment. Um, that is up at TomBartonSports.com right now. Look, I originally, when this first all came out, Tim, and when everything was kind of, uh, you know, college basketball season was kind of on the tip of everybody's mind, I was all in on, hey, you know what? I like Baylor, right? Baylor was going to be my team. Baylor was was a team I was going to ride. I think that Baylor was was that kind of team. And you know what? Baylor's got 10 to 1 odds, 11 to 1 odds, depending on where you're looking. I got off of them a little bit. I just think it's so difficult in that conference to build up a, a huge resume and to do it two out of the last three years. So I'm a little bit down on Baylor, but I almost gave that out. So I'm going to give you two plays. I'm giving you a long shot. That really isn't as big of a long shot as I wish. And I'm going to give you my winner. My long shot is the Creighton Blue Jays. I told you over the summer, Tim, I like Creighton. I've been on the Big East for a while. I like everything about this team. They're returning four of their five, top five scorers. I like everything about Creighton. Okay, I have them to win the Big East at plus 160 as one of my bigger plays. I like Creighton a lot. 25 to 1 odds is not where it opened up, and it opened up at 35 to 1, and I even saw it at 40 to 1. I got it at 35 to 1, but Tim, everyone's seemingly on them now, right? Every I don't like being with the crowd, but at 25 to 1 odds, hey, it's worth the shot. But my championship winner here is the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm not a Kentucky fan here, Tim, but I made a lot of money when Virginia was embarrassed in the first round of the tournament, and the next year they came storming back with a chip on their shoulder, and they dominated and they won it all. And my sole reasoning was a team like that, with a coach like that, bringing back players like that, they are going to be angry all year. And they had the ACC to go through the gauntlet and get them ready. Well, Every single thing that I said that year, I could say about Kentucky. Kentucky had a great season last year. People don't remember it. Why? <laughs> well, because they were ousted and humiliated by St. Pete's, right? Well, you're getting 12 to 1 odds on what you can argue is the most talented team in the country. You can argue they have the best player on their team in the country. You can argue that Kentucky has all of that in front of them, that they are the best team in the country. And then you put the chip on their shoulder that they want to erase all the memories. And nobody remembers Virginia losing that game because they came back and won the championship the next year. I think we have a revival like that. I'm going to take Kentucky at 12 to 1 odds. Creighton is my long shot. I was this close to Baylor. All right. If you listen to the show, you get a free free futures from TomPartonSports.com. What do you like, Tim? Who do you like this year? Well, Initially, I liked Baylor as well. I, I you know, I, I like. Yeah, well, they got the best front court in the country, right? I mean, yeah. Scott's Scotty's a good coach too. We've we've seen that, and for me, it's it's always been coaching in college sports. So, I really like that. I, I I completely see your reasoning with Kentucky. No no doubt about that. And Calipari again, you know, a winner. He's won. So, other than that, you know, I was looking for that mid range team, and I'd like to say I can. I want to want to pull the trigger on a. Tennessee or in Arkansas, I just can't get to the window to do it. But um, I don't know, Tom. I think it would be Baylor, but I just not at those odds. It's not worth, you know. No, that was me. I thought Baylor. I I didn't think that people would be on Baylor as much as they were. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Baylor would be eighteen to one, something like that. 
he opened up and it, it quickly it was 14 to one quickly back down to 12 to one. I didn't grab it then. And now I'm seeing it as, as low as 10 to one. And I'm going, oof, the Baylor steam is there. That's the same kind of theory I have with North Carolina. Um, North Carolina has got the team to do it. Right. I mean, North Carolina absolutely has the talent to do it, but you're going to take North Carolina at, at single odds, you know, nine to one, 10 to one odds on North Carolina. Nah, it's not enough for me. Virginia would be the one team that I could make a really good argument for because I just love Tony Bennett. I just think he's fantastic. Uh, but I just, I, I don't know. Uh, to me, the ACC is a little bit down, and maybe I'm going to overrate what Tony Bennett can do. Yeah. I like the uh, Creighton one, though, because I think depending on what you're betting, you look at it this way, at 25 to 1, it's not that that ticket's dead in the water. I mean, really, you play your percentages once you get into the tournament, right, Tom? There's If there's a hedge somewhere waiting to happen based on the draw, you could still come out profitable. That's exactly, exactly what, what those long shots do. When I give a long shot, it's not so I sound smart, guys. It's because if Creighton wins the Big East, which they're plus 160 favorites to win the Big East, but, and I like that. If they win the Big East, there's a good chance they're getting – Maybe not a one seed, but a probably a two or a three seed, right? So you don't have to hedge them in the first round. You probably don't even have to hedge them the first weekend. So now you're going and you're going into Sweet 16 and you can hedge all day at 25 to 1. Yeah. Let's jump back into week nine of the National Football League. How about this one, Tom? Your Las Vegas Raiders up 17-0 in this football game. They, they get outscored 17 nothing in the second half. They lose this one 27-20. I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Raiders 2-6, and six, Jaguars 3-6. and six. Nice win for Jacksonville. I thought their season was kind of dead in the water, but you've seen Etienne now take over the starting back role there. He's had two straight back-to-back good games. Lawrence even looked – Lawrence looked shaky at the beginning, Tommy, but he looked better in the second half as, as well as the rest of this team. But is the bigger story how bad the Raiders are right now. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, we knew that the Raiders were going to take a, a fall. I had Jose Volante on my show this morning on the Sports Garden Network show, Wanna Bet, and Jose and me talked about it. And, and you know, he was very enthusiastic about the Raiders. And I, I said, you know, they're going through a very, very, very easy part of their schedule, we'll say, which they could get back into this thing. But I said it then. I said, if they lose this game, their season's over. Right, I mean that, that's just what it is. The season is over now. The Raiders, they're done, and you can blame McDaniel. Yeah, he's got some of the blame. Carr, some of the blame. Waller can't get on the field. Renfro has disappeared. Adams is a target hog. Uh, you know their their defense last week, not this week, but last week their defense had zero touches of the quarterback. Zero touches. That happened once in the last twelve years. Zero touches with all the money they spent. They're just a discombobulated unit. You could find small gems out there and say, okay, that's a good thing, and that's a good thing, and okay, I'm kind of into that or that. But overall, Tim, they're just a discombobulated group of, of guys, and and you have to look at coaching. Jose Volante blamed the coaching. I understand why he blamed the coaching, but I think it's more than just the coaching. I, I think it's just everything about this team just feels unnatural. It just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And to me, their season is officially over. Is it is it ineptitude on Josh McDaniel? Is it just he's not a head football coach in the NFL? Or is, it too, is the timetable, the amount of data we're working with, just not 
available. I mean, he's made some bad, bad decisions, Tom. Yeah. Look, um, I mean, McDaniels, I thought was a bad hire to begin with, but I don't think it's only the bad decisions. What, what, what happens is with McDaniels, what I've seen with McDaniels is that He's the kind of guy, and you can do this if you're Bill Belichick. You could do this if you're Andy Reid, even though Andy Reid doesn't do this. You can do this, and even the greats kind of fall into this. He is that guy that has the ego that says, oh, you know what? I'm going to run my offense this way. He go, yeah, but coach, you don't have Darren Waller out there. I don't care. Put in his backup. We're going to run it the same way. Oh, oh, I'm going to run it this way. Yeah, yeah, but Hunter Renfro isn't the same guy. It doesn't matter. I'm going to run it the same way. He runs the offense as if those players are in there. That is a problem. Josh Jacobs was crushing it, crushing it. And he said, I don't want to be a running team. I want to be a passing team. So we're going to go back to the drawing board. We're going to become a passing team. And now, well, Josh Jacobs isn't getting the carries again. It's it's all kind of the ego of McDaniels just overriding the common sense of McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Well, these Raiders, two and six, Tom, back home in Allegiant next Sunday, the Indianapolis Colts by week this week. They come to Vegas. This is a five and a half point line, six in some places. Home team Raiders favored. Oh, oh boy. I, I don't think the Raiders should be favored against anybody in the league right now. Uh, that doesn't mean that they can't win here, Tim. It's not really a game that I necessarily like. But I, I can't see that the Raiders should be the favorites over anyone. In football right now, you can argue the Raiders are the worst team in football. Now, the Colts have a bad quarterback. I get it. And the Colts have looked bad. Yes. I don't know the status of Jonathan Taylor. Maybe he comes back, right? Maybe he's the guy because we just watched Travis Etienne run all over this team. So I I need more to kind of see here. I think it was a real tough spot. That's why I took the Patriots today. I thought it was a real tough spot for that young quarterback. They also have a brand-new offensive coordinator. He's now going to have a game under his belt, a game that you know is the second game in a row on the road. The Raiders probably will win this game, but I don't think they should be laying six to anybody, even a Colts team, especially a Colts team that might be getting some guys back next week. Jayville, three and six now, Tom. Only two games behind Tennessee. At Kansas City, the Chiefs, ten. Kind of like Jacksonville a little bit. What did we watch tonight? The Chiefs coming into this game were allowing 127 yards over the last three games on the ground. Derrick Henry just ripped them a new one, right? The Chiefs, their rushing statistics defensively are not really indicative of what they are because they played the the Tampa Bay Bucs, which in a game just decided to run the ball three times, right? I mean, they they didn't run at all, so the statistics are skewed. This team can't stop the run. And now you have Travis Etienne running the way that he's he's running. The Chiefs are a little vulnerable to me coming off of a big emotional game. They wanted that win against Tennessee. Tennessee had beaten them four straight times. That's an emotional game that they're coming off of, off of the bye week, put all their investment into beating Tennessee. Now we're going to overlook this tiny little Jaguars team. Uh, The Jaguars team, I mean, they're still the Jags. Kind of like them with the points. Hmm. We talked about... Tom Brady lost three in a row, right? The Bucks terrible, terrible. They can't score. They're not, they're not moving the ball. Tom, they're still in first place. You know, a lot of things is the way the division's set up. And today, it kept that first place lead with uh, an old school Tom Brady moment, right? End of the game, 
ball in his hands, found a way to win this one. 16-13, they beat up the defending champion Rams and beat up. I'm really using that term loosely here. They get the win. I texted you. I said this game is pathetic at one point, and that's just kind of the way that the season's been for both these offenses in L.A. and Tampa. Tim, two weeks ago I did a video on YouTube. You guys go check it out, Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Um, I did a video, and I, I was talking about the struggles of Wilson and Rodgers and Brady. And I brought up all the statistics and said, listen, Tom Brady's having a good year. <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it's just reality. Tom Brady's having a good year. The Bucs aren't having a good year. Now, Aaron Rodgers looks terrible, and Russell Wilson looks bad. But Tom Brady was having a perfectly fine year. The drops today, there were six drops going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it was unbelievable, some of the drops. Drops in the back of the end zone. The drop in the back of the end zone, that, that game should have been over, right? If Tom Brady hit the guy in the numbers. You ever see, uh, uh, you know, the the, the old uh, quantum leap dude, you know, right? And the Texas armadillos mm-hmm. hit the guy right, boom, right between the eight and the eight. I mean, he hit him right in the numbers. Guy dropped it in the end zone. This is what I expect from the Bucks. The Bucks, they they are playing a good defensive <clears throat> unit right now. Um, they're playing as a good defensive unit, I should say, right now. But it's not getting a lot of the recognition. They're seventh overall in scoring. Okay. You can run on them more than you could in the last couple of years, but they're coming around. Tom Brady's still performing really well. The offensive line, he's only been sacked 13 times. The offensive line is is doing its job, even though Brady's getting it out really quickly and helping them out, but they're doing their job. The one thing this team needs is a running back. They just simply can't run the ball. But I think that the Bucs are going to be okay. They're 4-5 and five in a very weak division. They have a home game here. Brady is on pace for 4,500 yards, guys. He's having a good year. It's just the touchdowns aren't there. And how about the genius, Tom? Sean McVay, the lowest scoring team in the NFL, just 131 points through eight games. Told you it was a fluke last year. Told everybody that wanted to listen. Armando got so mad at me. It was a total fluke. Sean McVay is the most overrated coach that this league has ever seen. That doesn't mean he's not a good coach. He's a fine coach. But to... to have anybody that has ever had coffee with Sean McVay basically get a coaching job is ridiculous. Guys, three and five this year. And I don't want to hear about injuries or anything else. No, 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 no. Cooper Cup is still playing out of his mind. He's the best offensive player outside of a quarterback in the NFL, right? You you have different guys, different positions. But you know what? You can't win without, Tim, can't win without offensive line. I made this a priority to talk about in the offseason. The offensive line of the Rams are doing their eighth combination in eight games. They're playing with a fifth-string tackle. But it's their defense as well. Their defense is playing decent, but their defense is also playing, hey, you know what? We won the Super Bowl last year. Jalen Ramsey had a ball, hit him in the chest today, and then another ball where he should have returned for a touchdown on two almost consecutive plays. Ramsey missed both of them. Aaron Donald was generally neutralized today. This is a team that is having a Super Bowl hangover. I mean, and Sean McVay is just not the guy to kind of pull him out of it. But Sean McVay is out doing commercials. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's being a superstar, man, you know. Are the yeah, Vikings? Well, that's what he is, right? Yeah. Are, are, you know, last night I said, Tom, are the Vikings the most overlooked six and one team in the NFL? Now I can say, are the Vikings the most overlooked seven and one team in the NFL? 2017 win at Washington. And, you know, right out the gates, it, it looked like Minnesota was just going to run through Washington. They went right down the field on them. 
Cousins to Jefferson right right at the beginning, 7 nothing. And then it just kind of the game, you know, they adjusted. Jefferson got his, but Cook wasn't really doing anything against that Washington defense. And it was a lot of field goals, and, and they were down trailing into the fourth. They find a way to win this ugly game, Tom, 2017, like I said. And, look, they're 7-1, and one, solid first-place lead there in the north. If you have purple skull color glasses on, you go, well, you know what? Even though six of our seven wins we've been behind with like five minutes to go in the game, we are a season team. The reality is, is that you've played garbage teams. You're barely lucky to be here, but you are here, right? Eventually, the Vikings' reality will hit. And I, I when I say the word reality, Tim, I hand you and present you Josh Allen because the Bills are facing them next week. The Vikings' schedule has been relatively laughable. The Vikings have played a, a, a should have been retired last year, Aaron Rodgers. They lost to the Eagles pretty poorly. Then the Lions' worst team in the league, the Saints with a third-string quarterback, the Bears, who at that point were just a mess, the Dolphins without Tua, the Cardinals, who can't get out of their own way, and the Commanders. They have not played a team this year that will be a playoff team outside of the Dolphins and maybe the I mean the Eagles and maybe the Dolphins, right? Maybe. So you're looking at this and you're going, they built their record like that. They're winning close games, but they're barely winning against teams that they should be absolutely blowing out. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this Vikings team and I'm going, the bubble is going to pop. It's going to pop in a really big way, and it may be this week. Especially against a team in, like the Bills, Tom, that were upset today on the road against the Jets divisional game. Double-digit favorite. They also got out of the game early with a touchdown. And just uh, Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen today, Tommy. No touchdowns, 205 yards. Uh, did not look good. If it wasn't for his two two rushing touchdowns, one of them was a breakaway. I mean, this, this wouldn't have been a close game at all. I think the Jets would have handled them. Just uh, a bump in the road in the schedule for Buffalo. But I, I kind of like now the overreaction, right, Tom? Next, back in home. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite Vikings we just talked about. Tim, every year Buffalo has one of these games, and I talked about this before the year began. Remember last year Buffalo lost to Jacksonville? Anybody remember that? Mm-hmm. Buffalo didn't score a touchdown, right, against the Jags in like the middle of the year for unexplained reasons. They came out of the gate, and then they just absolutely smoked teams. I think that's what Buffalo you know, needs that wake-up call. When you're this good and you have this much pushed on you, it's okay to lose in a spot like this. It's okay to lose to a division, quote-unquote, rival on the road when you're supposed to beat them really bad. This is one of those get-right games. Um, my initial response here is that Buffalo, they, they they might win by 30. Are you believing the hype with the Jets? No, not, not, not at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. No. Yeah. no. Zach Wilson – is about to be benched. You can't believe the hype for a guy who really should be on, as, as a quarterback on their team that should be sitting on the bench. Right. 150 yards today. He didn't look good either. And you'd think by reading social media that he was the next John Elway with his performance. I, I he hasn't looked good at all this year, period. Flacco was the better. It's been the better quarterback. Yeah. It, it's it, forget about even Flacco. I think it's Mike White time. <laughs> yeah. This was a winner over on the personal Tim Unglesby card. 
Cincinnati 42, Carolina 21. It was essentially over in the in the second quarter. Joe Mixon, huge day running the ball. Burrow was was solid. Didn't have to really do too much as they were able to make big plays happen, Tom. And you know, I I, I knew there was the danger of the way Carolina was game and Walker being played, but that deep just swallowed up Walker today. And I think now, as you saw in the second half, they went to Baker Mayfield. They're, they'll probably go back to him in the next game. I mean, it makes sense, right, Tim? You know, you go back to, to Baker, uh, you know, you gave Walker your chance. This is an organization that just they just need a quarterback. I mean, but I, I feel like we've been saying that for quite a few years right now, right? I mean, this organization just needs a quarterback. I, they're not going to be bad enough to even go get that guy next year. They're not going to be that team, I don't think, um, to go out there and, and go fix their quarterback situation. It's kind of a shame when you look at the pieces that Carolina's had over the last couple of years. They can be an exciting team. They're going to go back to Baker. Maybe Baker could could be the answer for the rest of this year, but I think it's very clear that this organization just needs a quarterback. I want to touch on the Bengals real quick. So they're going to go into the bye at five and four, they've been uh, they've looked good against teams like Carolina. They looked good against uh, Atlanta a couple weeks back at home, but but in, in between those those wins, you have a poor performance in division against Cleveland, poor performance in division against Baltimore. A very wishy washy team here, and this, you know we talk about schedules a lot, Tommy. And when we looked at the Ravens' schedule in the second half. They're, they pretty much control their destiny as they played a tougher first-half schedule. Well, it's the reverse for, for Cincinnati, right, in the second half at Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, home against Kansas City, at Tampa, at New England, home against Buffalo, and and home against Baltimore in Week 18. There's no repeat for the Bengals this year. We talked about that at the beginning. We thought that there were, there, there was going to be a setback. There's no playoffs, I think, this year for, for Cincinnati. Calling it here in Week 9. Calling it in week nine. How about me calling that before the year, Tim? That's that's exactly yeah. what I said. Before the year, I told you that Cincinnati wasn't making the playoffs. I, I, I'm finally – you're finally coming around, and that's after a big win, right? I mean, a huge <laughs> right. win, but it, this – Joe Burrow is going to get killed. He is on pace for 75 sacks this year. That is a ridiculous amount of sacks. He doesn't have Jamar Chase – um, yes, Joel Mixon finally exploded today, but he's been basically absent most of the year. Their defense is all banged up. Hendrickson's uh, limping around back there. Wilson's banged up. Tim, I, I saw it before the year, and I'm not changing. I'm not talking you out of anything. I don't think Cincinnati makes the playoffs. No, you did. You did call that, no doubt about it. You called it on the preview show, and I think some of our friends were, were scratching their heads saying, what are you doing, Tommy? But- Everybody told me I was nuts. Not, and not only, not only were they – was I nuts that they weren't going to make the playoffs? You know, oh, how, how how do you not see them winning the division? How do I not see them going deep into the playoffs? I was crazy. Well, here you go. Joe Burrow laying flat on his back some more. You know, we just talked about schedules with basketball, and we talked about UNLV specifically. Through nine games, they had to be better than five and four, Tom. They, they probably should be around seven and two. And they're not. And that two games with that second half, unless they just do something that we're not expecting in the second half, those are some tough defenses they're going to play too. That That's what's going to cost them at the end is they're, they're probably going to go fi- under 500 at that second half schedule. So we're looking at not even a 500 season maybe if it goes wrong for them. 
I, I think they can lose. I think it's very possible, Tim. They got uh, what, eight games left. I think it's very possible they could lose six of those eight. Yeah. I mean, even even the Cleveland game, Deshaun's going to be back. They're, they're, yeah, no, they're in trouble. There's, there's no doubt about that. And we're saying that, like you said, after a big win. So And, and they're going to go on a bye. Win. And they might yes. beat Pittsburgh. They might beat Pittsburgh in two weeks. And everybody is going to think that here we go. But it's uh, – what is it? The – it's fool's gold, man. That's the best way. I can. It's fool's gold. Well, I I think that here here's what's crazy. I think that Pittsburgh game might be their season because mm-hmm. if they lose that game and that is a Sunday night game in Pittsburgh. Oh, by the way, we know Mike Tomlin is ridiculous as an underdog, specifically as an underdog at home and in prime time. It, it's unbelievable. Um, I know that's against the spread, but still, that might be their game. If they lose to Pittsburgh, their season could be over right then and there. You could go on a tailspin where they don't win a game for the rest of the year. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. At Pittsburgh, at Tennessee, at Tampa, at New England, home against Casey, home against Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, home against Josh Allen, home against Lamar Jackson. Woo! <laughs> and like you said, he may not even be the quarterback at that point. He might be on the injured list like he was in his rookie season. Yeah, I, I mean, Miles Garrett might send him there. <laughs> Let's get one more in before a timeout. I don't know if anybody caught my tongue-in-cheek joke. They probably didn't, but it's okay. I said Indianapolis was coming into Vegas, Tommy off a bye. Well, we know they played a game today, but they might as well have been in a, in a bye week. They go to Foxborough, and the Pat defense, man, huge, to, just unbelievable game. Nine sacks. They get to Mr. Ellering. In a 26-3 win, Patriots now 5-4. and four. Tom, here we go. Here comes the Bill Belichick train. Hey, you know I wrote it. You know, I was on it today. I, I like them. I like Matthew Judon. I like everything that they're doing. And here we go. 25-8 and eight now, Bill Belichick against rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, are we are we kidding here? The New England Patriots are 5-4, and four, yet they're in last place in their division, Tim. But they have the same record as the Cincinnati Bengals, who everybody loves. Same record uh, as the Chargers, who everybody loves, right? And the Patriots, the rest of the schedule, you just said, what about Belichick? So they have a bye week coming up next to get nice and healthy, right? Then they come back at home against the Jets. Sorry, guys, that's a win. Belichick up for a bye week at home against the Jets. That's a win. Minnesota and Buffalo, two tough games. Arizona, Vegas, that's one, two, three wins. Cincinnati could be a win at home four wins. The Buffalo double slate's going to be tough. I said before the year, I think New England gets to nine wins. If they get 10, they're, they're a playoff team. Tim, I still have them slated right now for winning nine to 10 games. I got them winning against New York. I have them winning against Vegas, obviously. I have them winning against that Arizona game. Monday night football, I'll take it all day. And I have them beating either Cincinnati or Miami at home. Can they squeak one out against Buffalo? One of the two, can they squeak one out against Minnesota in Minnesota? Yeah, I think they could. This is a very likely race to the playoffs. I think they get nine wins. Don't know if that's going to be enough, but they certainly can get that 10th win. Tom, who are the top five coaches off of bye? Reed, Harbaugh, Belichick, Tomlin. Am I right? Yeah, I don't know who the fifth one would be. 
Oh, Vrabel's really good off a of bye. Mm-hmm. He's relatively new, but I think he's uh, – it's not really with, off a of bye. He's he's good off of rest, so I, I'm going to assume that's off of a bye week. But I think Vrabel's the next guy in there. So we get Mr. Hoodie in two weeks at home with the Jets, and, yeah. and nobody's talking about the Patriots. I love it. Mike Vrabel is eight – oh, including this year, 9-0 and oh after bye weeks. So, yeah, he's in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we had – Read tonight, right? Didn't cover, but twenty-one I guess we're, and three. We're talking straight out, just straight up. Yeah, we're gonna get uh, hoodie in two weeks. We're gonna get Harbaugh in two weeks, right? Although tomorrow is kind of a Harbaugh. I mean, he's got eleven days to prepare. Yeah, <laughs> just things to think about if you're listening to the show. Things to think about. Let's take. The last time out of the evening, finish up the NFL week nine. When we come back here on a super Sunday night, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. This is you, baby. This is you. No, no, no. You must show us some respect. It's a seesaw battle. Neither offense can move. Colts driving now with the ball. Armadillos better stop him. Call that. It was a clean kick to the face mask. Guys going in. Illegal contact. Number 51. Sinkutsu elbow thrust to the up back. Oimowatsu roundhouse lunge kick to the quarterback. Takatami and sword block to the. Never mind. 15 yards. First down. Now back to Heatwave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. Tommy, you mentioned Scott Bakula, the Fighting Armadillos, Necessary Roughness. I had, had to give you a little bit of that. What a great movie, man. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and and not for nothing, I don't know if you remember this. It's it's my ridiculous claim to fame. Uh, besides, uh, we, we know that Brittany is a friend of mine on Twitter, which means nothing, but it means everything. <laughs> but, but Kathy Ireland liked a tweet of mine about two years ago that I put up about the Texas state armadillos. I made some kind of reference to it and she liked a post of mine. I still tell Abby about that all the time. <laughs> just, just by the way, you know, that if, if, if a woman likes your tweet, a random celebrity, you could probably leave your wife and, and be with her. And Abby doesn't find it too funny. I mean, that's, that's what it means, right? I mean, of course. I'm not overstating it. It was clear what, what the intentions were. Let's motor through the rest of this card, Tommy. So we got about a little under 15 minutes. We can do it. We can do it here. Here we go. We'll start with the continuing fall of the Aaron Rodgers story, Tom. Team nine. Chris, Chris and Feldman's Lions get their second win of the year. Packers fall to three and six. 15, not even... 15-9. 15 to 9. Aaron Rodgers is done. That's it. He's done. I've been saying it. We, we often discuss, uh, you know, uh, about a guy's age, and Tom Brady kind of reset the rule book of, well, you don't have to worry about guys getting up there. He's going to be 39 years old in, in about three weeks here, Aaron Rodgers. He has hit a wall. He's frustrated. He's at odds with his head coach. It is a mess in Green Bay. I try to tell Chris that, how bad of a mess it was, 
I think now that uh, you watch the game, you can see it. Aaron Rodgers is not himself. He doesn't want to be out there, and it shows up every single week. Dallas will be off a bye. They head to Lambeau next Sunday afternoon to take on the Packers. Four-and-a-half-point favor. I can't take him as a favorite against anybody, right? It's, it's I, I Dallas mean, is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's that? What's that line going to go to? Six and a half, seven? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, is that going to skyrocket? That's that's one of those you jump on right now. I didn't like when I watched the Dallas defense against the Bears, but Green Bay's just broken right now, and Micah Parsons going to have a field day. And the Lions against your Bears, Tommy. Bears two and a half point favorites at home. This is coming off a loss, but what we've seen in the Bears in the last couple of weeks here is a renewed offensive vigor here with with the new. The new way to discover how to use Justin Fields, it appears. 35-32, Dolphins beat the Bears. But I think in professional sports, they don't like to say it, but I think you can say you take this as a moral victory if you're a Bears fan. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the Bears have scored you know, almost 30 points in three straight weeks, 29 uh, three weeks ago you know, or two weeks ago. So they're playing well, and they're taking on good defenses. Miami's a good defense. Dallas is a really good defense. New England's a very good defense. And they are finding ways to win and confuse teams. The Detroit running back, you know, or the Detroit rushing attack defensively is the third worst in all of football. I think it's going to be the same exact formula here. It's going to be the Chicago Bears running, 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 and and really putting the pressure on. The problem is that the Bears' defense is atrocious. The Bears' defense, despite all of their offensive prowess, let up 49 against Dallas and you know let up nearly 40 again here uh, this week against Miami, who seem to be able to do whatever they wanted. The Lions have a pretty good offense. I think it's got shootout written all over it. I do like the Bears, though because they are putting pressure on teams, and a lot of these teams, and no offense to any Lions fans out there, can't handle the pressure. Dolphins a half game behind Buffalo in the East. They return home, welcome in, off a bye of the Cleveland Browns. Dolphins are four-point favorite at home, Tom. Got to like the Dolphins there. Um, I I think that it, it is a dangerous spot that Cleveland's coming in rested with Nick Chubb running the way that he can and what we just watched. Right, we just witnessed this absolute just destruction. So it's a dangerous game. I don't think it's a game I'm going to touch, but you have to lean the Miami Dolphins. They're just just the better team, more complete team. Chargers go west to east. 2017 win over the Falcons. They end up putting up two field goals in the fourth to push them over. Uh, not the best effort from Atlanta. Here we go. We talked about it last night. Just up and down the Falcons are. Still better than I thought they were going to be, but this was kind of the team that I assumed they were going to be. Tommy, they're now four and five. Chargers get a win with really no weapons other than Eckler, and he wasn't effective at all today. But they get the win. They're five and three, and they're right there in the division race. I don't think we could make too much about this game just because of how many guys were out. Right? I mean, they're missing everybody. They had nobody. The Chargers had nobody to throw the ball to, and. We look at what Atlanta does. They're going to run, run, run all day. Cordell Patterson comes back, and he looks absolutely fantastic rejoining that team. So I don't know how much we could kind of make from this game, Tim. Um, to me, the Chargers are still a good team that have a lot of flaws, but I don't know who they really are. And I went through all last year not really knowing who this team was. Well, the Chargers will go back home. They get the Sunday nighter next week on NBC. 
against a rested Tommy. They they just like a biology assignment at school. They just picked apart the Rams last week in the second half, the eighth straight win over the Rams. And then they get the week off to rest. And now they get a home game late Sunday night. They are a touchdown favorite over the Chargers. Again, I gotta I gotta see the I gotta see the injury report on the Chargers. We know that Keenan Allen's not coming back. We know Mike Williams isn't coming back. I mean, I guess maybe I don't need to see the <laughs> you know the injury report, but but I would like to see their injury report to say anything about the Chargers. They are a walking wounded unit right now at key, key, key positions. Yeah, Keenan Allen's joining Mr. Thomas in New Orleans on the the injured list, um, nagging injuries, right, Tom? A toe and a hamstring. Toe and a hamstring keeps these guys out for the year, basically. Yeah. But you said it. Brian Robinson got shot twice, and he came back in, what, less than a month? A month was it? Yeah. Four weeks? Like I'm that. back, man. Put me in, coach. Put me in. Falcons look to rebound. They're right there in the race with Tampa in the south. At Carroll, uh, right around a field goal. Looks like a field goal. Division game road. Yeah, the, the Falcons are just a tough team to go anywhere near right now. They can run the ball effectively. You, you like what they could do. But outside of that, is there anything that you're really just enthusiastic about with this team? Is there anything that you're looking at this team and you're going, okay, well, that makes me feel comfortable? No, they could run the ball. Um, I think they're a very difficult team to – there are two or three teams in the league every year that I have a hard time putting my finger on. This is that team right now. We spent a little bit of time last night talking about the troubles with the Arizona Cardinals, and that was very evident again today at home this time. Seattle. How about Seattle and Geno Smith? The, the story continues, Tommy. They go in on the road. They get the win 31-21. Road division win and they kept a high-powered offense at bay. And uh, Mr. Murray, not even 200 yards passing today for the Cardinals. I mean, how do you not love what Seattle is doing right now? They are a fun team, and I know if you bet against them, it's it's never fun, but they're a fun team. Every stat, every trend, everything that I talked about this morning all just lean to, yeah, Seattle is going to win this game. They own the series. Uh, Arizona can't win at home for whatever reason. Kingsbury's an awful, awful coach. It's just bad all around for them. And you turn around and you look at a team like this, like 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 this Seattle team, they are having fun out there. You can see it's a different culture there. It's a different feel uh, than, than what we're used to in Seattle. And, and it's fun. They are a fun team to root for. They're a good team right now. Yeah, I've never been the biggest Pete Carroll fan at all, but oh, the thing, I'll, thing I've noticed, though, is that players generally enjoy playing for him, if you notice that over the years. Uh, maybe not so much Russell Wilson at the end, but in early Russell Wilson times, he, he enjoyed playing there as well. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that I love is when you can read between the lines, and I, I do it quite a bit, you know, with quotes and stuff, and I love when – Tyler Lockett came out this week and he put it out on Twitter and he was like, wow, it's amazing what you could do when one guy doesn't get the credit. And then people jumped on, oh, oh, he means Russell Wilson. Oh, would you see that? He means Russell Wilson. And what did he do? He came out and shut them down immediately. He said, guys, I've said that about five to ten times. If you read my tweets over the last couple of years, it doesn't mean anything. Just enjoy our team. We're having fun. 
I like that culture that it's shut it down. Don't let it become a controversy. Don't let it become a distraction. Go out there and just say, hey, you know what? Uh, look, just 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 understand we're having fun out here. I loved that response by Tyler Lockett. How about the Hawks? This looks like it's the an overseas game. 6.30 kickoff, West Coast time Sunday. Seattle, the road team. Tampa will be the home team. Tampa Bay, two-point favorites. This is in Germany, Tim. This one's going right. to Germany. It's going to be a fun one there. They sold out within like minutes, they said, um, in Germany for this one. Look, you'd like to say that Tom Brady kind of fixed everything. You'd like to look at Tom Brady and say all the money's going to come in on him because anybody that bets this game is going to say, hey, Brady's back. Brady's fine. Brady's okay. Here we go, Brady. Seattle's the better team. They're playing better. Everybody on that team is is just in sync with each other. For a road game in Germany, you want your players on the same page. You want everybody in sync. I know that the, the massive amount of money is going to come rolling in on Tampa, and I'll wait to, to get you know a better number here. But I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, yeah, I'm sorry. To me, this is going to be Seattle all day. A couple more games in Week 10. Get your quick thoughts. New Orleans at Pittsburgh. Steelers coming in off a of bye. Saints short rest with the game tomorrow night. And the Saints, no goal favorite. I don't know who's playing for the Saints. I don't know who's playing for the Saints week by week. Right? I really don't. Um, I can't go near this game because I really don't know that. This is. I would like to be more intelligent about this, but do we even know? Is it going to be Winston if if Dalton fails tomorrow night? Is that what it's going to be? Is is Landry going to be able to suit up? We don't know about Landry either. I mean, there are just some big-time players, they're not mediocre players. I mean, starting quarterbacks, starting wide receivers, that we don't know if they're going to even play in the game. Forget about even starting the game. So I, I think you need to hear their injury report before we do anything. Two more, Tommy. Arizona, Rams, division game, Rams home, three and a half. Oh, uh, you want to keep thinking that it's going to all of a sudden turn around for the Rams. You want to keep believing that eventually – it's all going to click for the Rams. It's hard to put your money on them right now. It really is. Houston at the Giants. Giants home. Rested six and a half. I'm surprised at this line. Giants are home. Like you said, rested. Uh, they're, they're the better team. Much better record. Houston does get a lot of time because they played on Thursday night. I, I'm shocked at this. Uh, to me, it, the Giants should crush them. The Houston Texans have scored 20 points in one game all year. The uh, Giants should crush them, but I'll tell you what. The problem is that the Giants you know, play close games. The total here is 38, Tim. It's 38 for a reason, right? Yeah. And the Monday nighter, the NFC East, Washington at Philadelphia. These two teams played earlier in the year at Washington, and Philly trounced them 24-8. So, Philly... A little extra rest, a couple days. Ten and a half point favorite at home next week, Monday Night Football with Washington. I kind of like Washington. Look, I still keep thinking this Philly team is going to come back to earth. I, I don't think they lose the game at home, but it's a Monday night. I just talked to you about this with the Jets, right? You're giving double digits to a division uh, opponent. Now you're giving double digits to a division opponent who's playing well. Uh, they, they played with Minnesota right until the end of the game here. They're playing well, and it's on Monday Night Football. 
I just believe that Philadelphia isn't this dominant team that everybody is just going to absolutely just get rolled over by. I don't believe that that is this Philly team. To me, they're a good Philly team. They shouldn't be given 10 points on a Monday night game in division. We will break it all down next Sunday night, week 10 of the NFL, as we were off Saturday due to VGK hockey. But close us out, Tom, talk about all the great things Tommy Bard's doing, including watching over 12 hours of basketball tomorrow. Guys, go check out TomBartonSports.com. I should not have to be begging you to come and make money. Are you kidding me? Listen, I'm putting out free plays, right? I'm 7-0 the last three weeks. You can go check that out right on Twitter. It goes out way before game time, right? The Believe Podcast Network puts it out uh, six hours before game time. You go check me out all over all of the Capper monitor sites, Capper Tech, all of them. Go see what I'm doing. I'm 8-2-1 the last three Sundays. I am absolutely crushing it. And now college basketball is coming up. If you sign up right now, you're going to get 30 days of college basketball, NBA, NHL, NFL, and college football, all of it. This is the time to sign up. This is the time to get in when I am red, red hot. I have four plays up for college basketball tomorrow. I have four, or I, I should say I have three college basketball futures up tomorrow. I may throw an NFL play up. Guys, this is what Tom Barton Sports does. Go check it out there. Also, I have every conference preview. It's about 10, 15 minutes long, each one of them on YouTube. Go check out Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. And listen to me over at the podcast on Sports Garden Network, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. Busy man, Tommy. I know tomorrow we'll be talking all day with college basketball starting. And uh, what can I say? you got to go to the website, TomBartonSports.com. i got to play on that early game tomorrow, Tim. Yeah, there we go. Baylor's in action. Where's Tommy going to be? Go to the website, find out. Uh, Have a great week, Tommy. We'll talk to you Sunday night, 10 o'clock. Have a good one, guys. For Tom Barton, for my man Ryan back in the Lotus Broadcast Studios. Ryan, have a good weekend away next weekend, my man. We will talk to you then. It's going to be a crazy week. As always, enjoy your sports. Tim Unglesby, certain Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night. Good night.